Tokyo Lives, Giant Monsters Podcast, where the hosts truly believe that the only thing scarier than a giant snake is John Voight's accent. I'm Kyle. I'm Rob. <laughs> and today we are doing On the Fringe Creature Feature Month Anaconda. Anaconda. Uh, <laughs> uh, the classic creature feature. <laughs> you think you know you want to get Anaconda? I, I wish I could do his accent. I, I don't even know what his accent's supposed to be. I have no clue. He's from Paraguay or something. For Somehow. John Voigt. John Famous Voigt. Paraguayan. <laughs> he does not actually sound like that in person. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, what a hoot. What a fun what? film. But what before we can before we can take a bite out of this movie, we should take Ooh. out a uh, take a bite out of crime by talking about the news. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't really segue very well, but uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's me, McGruff, the the news hound. <laughs> Things weren't going so well with all the propaganda going around, so I switched my role. <laughs> so. Okay, so the news. So the first thing in our news that I want to talk about is uh, something that we kind of briefly mentioned last time, but now we've gotten more details on it, and we know exactly what it's going to be, uh, and we've even seen footage of it, and it's actually really cool and something to talk about. So uh, starting off the news, we are talking about the live-action yeah. short film that is releasing on November 3rd. Uh, this time, it is Godzilla versus Gigan instead of Hedera. Yes. Uh, it is directed by the same person who did the previous short. Um, so you can still see that uh, Ultraman style to yeah. the filming. Um, but I I have a, a, a hint uh, or a thought here oh. that uh, they may have given him a little bit more of a budget this time around. It does look... Because it looks a lot better than the header. The <laughs> lighting, lo- well, the lighting looks. I mean, it's at night, and you got this really like deep ambient, like neon lighting from like yeah. the streets. But then they have hidden behind the buildings these nice bright blue lights to illuminate all the the tokusatsu actors. Uh, so it looks very good. Looks very good. <laughs> oh man, Final Wars Goji. He's uh, he's really taken off. I, we thought. I, I thought, like, our bet was that they were going to do the... Um, the Shodai Goji, the 54 yeah, Godzilla suit. Boss Coffee commercial Goji. Yeah. As he's better known. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, but I really thought it was going to be, you know, they were going to do the classic suit versus mm-hmm. uh, an old guy again. yeah. But it makes sense that we're getting, you know, the most... I'm trying to, like, the most physically capable Godzilla suit. Mm-hmm. In like yeah, being led by the guy who writes or directs, you know, Ultraman, you know, like, yeah. I mean, we see some really cool like juking moments, yeah, uh, that Godzilla does, <laughs> yeah. And honestly, this Gigant suit looks amazing. Um, it, it, it oh, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't like I. If you were to just tell me like a year ago, like there's going to be a 
Gigan versus Final Wars Goji, but it's like Showa Gigan. I would be like, that sounds like it'll look weird. But the new Gigan suit they made, the the Showa recreation, yeah, suit is oh my god, it it's looked gorgeous. really good. Yeah. Oh man. It's somewhere, so it's so gorgeous. <laughs> somewhere out there, that uh, that small community of two people that got into a really heated argument at the Gigantopia website are are just having a blast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, though, like the the show of Gigant suit is definitely the star of this show for sure. Um, it's 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 gorgeous. It has some really great mobility that the original suit did not have. Yeah. Um, like it can actually like fully like turn and move its claws, uh, which he uses a couple times in the fight where he like turned his claw upside yeah. down and slashes like uppercut style. Um, he's it's still really chubby, uh, which I actually appreciate that they kept it chubby. They didn't like slim it down. They didn't. Yeah, he stays. Um, he's still a big boy. <laughs> and I think th- I think they actually may have made his um, his fins, his back fins, a little bigger too, because mm. he has a really nice silhouette. There's a shot yeah. towards the middle of it where it's like a a very like Ultraman like fight shot where it's like side orange profile, background yeah. side profile, um, mm. and you could just see the full silhouette of it uh, with the glowing red eye like being still lit up even in the darkness. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, I will say yes. It is. I, 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 I do. I understand why they're using the final war suit. Yeah. But <laughs> it was already showing its age in the hetero one, um, like where it couldn't even close its mouth. Um, it, at least it looks a little bit. Maybe they, t- they touched like, it up a bit. Yeah. Touched it up a bit because um, it does actually get some suit damage in this uh, short where we yeah. see at one point where he, he's falling down and he's got a big guy slash across his chest. Yeah. Um, so this um, is I'm going to I'm willing to bet this is the final ride for the final Goji suit. I think I think they're, so. They're sending it out with a blast is my guess. I, I'm not 100 percent. I mean, uh, unless we're all misunderstanding and this is like it's not maybe a fully rebuilt suit, but it's like a. Suit just, that's meant to be rebuilt. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. They're like, they put some more money back into it. Cause I do think, it, I think the dorsal plates on it are uh, like different than they were last year. Mm. Um, I, I could, you know, I'd have to put a like side by side shot, but it's still decidedly the final Goji suit, yes. but it, it does. You're right. It does look a bit different, but if I were to just tell you, I, I couldn't tell you exactly the numerical no. values that are, have, that have changed without it being like, yeah, like a side by side comparison with all three of them. Yeah. Um, but I do, I don't know. I, maybe it is just the lighting. The fact that it's like a nighttime shot hetero, the one with hetero, just like, because it's hetero, obviously I was going to be head over heels for it. Um, this one, the lighting is so much better than anything we got in final wars that I'm like, wow, I didn't know the final Goji suit looked so cool. <laughs> No, for sure. It does. It actually gives some really interesting context to the final Goji suit for sure. Um, I, I think that, uh, and, and I did, I did look through the, uh, the footage again and yeah, you can definitely tell they at least did some new, uh, new mechanicalness in the jaw because it actually can open and close its jaw fully now, uh, which it could not do in the header shot. Uh, like definitively it was, uh, it was very static mouth. Yeah. In the header <laughs> short. Yeah. It was always, open i'm gonna get um, you regardless uh so this will be released online uh on november 3rd or november uh, 2nd for us um 
So look forward to that. Uh, don't forget, this is the year of Gigan. So we're also getting the Godzilla versus Gigan Rex or the G versus G Rex short yeah. uh, from the 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 P- Jim Stone, the people who did the original Godzilla versus Gigan little short film that got recognized by Toho. And Toho was like, hey, come actually do a real one for us. <laughs> and they were like, OK, um, so we're going to get two little short films uh, this year, uh, two brand new Godzilla yeah. things. You know, um, honestly, give it up to Toho because uh, Nintendo had their year year of Luigi, and they put out one Luigi movie, and that was it. Yep. Year of Gigan, we got Gigan shirts, we got two Gigan shorts coming out. <laughs> the only thing they could do to make it a little bit better is, is uh, give the rights to have Gigan in a uh, in a in the monsterverse. <laughs> oh, and in the monsterverse, just add more. Just have a announce at the the end of the 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 year. In December, <laughs> Gigan, uh, legendary Gigan coming to theaters <laughs> in May. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, but yeah, it, so it's looking like it's going to be a fun November 3rd. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get anything outside of this. Um, obviously, there's the rumors of the Godzilla film or kaiju film that has already been filmed at <laughs> Toho that we just don't know what it is yet. Uh, we know the director that shot it. We know production already happened, but we just don't know what it is. There hasn't been anything released about it. Yeah. Um, so if they were going to do something, this would be a perfect opportunity to uh, announce said project, uh, whatever it is, um, or we'll still hear nothing and it'll just be these two shorts. But uh. I think the two shorts will be fun. <laughs> the only thing that I'm going to do this year that I did not do last year is I'm going to find a way to pull it off the internet because the header of one is gone and we can never watch it ever again. So, I'm sure someone out there has. Someone it. has it, but someone. on official channels, it's not. It doesn't exist. Yeah, anymore. yeah. So yeah, um, that's unfortunate. But okie dokie. So moving Ooh. on down the line. Uh, we, uh, to switch gears a little bit from Godzilla, don't worry, we're going to go back to Godzilla in just a bit. <laughs> um, there is a new King Kong lives collector's edition Blu-ray oh, I'm so uh, excited. coming from Umbrella Entertainment, Finally. Uh, which is a, a Australian company. However, they normally their Blu-ray releases are region free. Okay. So this should work in the States. Uh, we don't have official confirmation of that yet because there's no pre-orders for the set yet. Yeah. But once those pre-orders go up, we should have a full idea. This yeah. is a wait. What was the name uh, of the corporation again? Uh, Umbrella Entertainment. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I don't know about that one, Chief. I've had some bad run-ins with Umbrella over the years. <laughs> Not sure about getting a, a a a DVD from them about a giant monster coming back mm-hmm. to life because of mm-hmm. mad science. Isn't it the perfect company to get the rights, though? Yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, the set is gorgeous, though. It comes with two little mini posters. Yeah. Um, it, it's got some little, uh, like, theater cards that were when the movie released in other countries. Um, it's it, it looks gorgeous. It's It looks great. I'm, I'm very excited for this set. I hope it is region-free, because I would love to have an official... <laughs> I mean, I, I own it on DVD, but the DVD was... Not the greatest quality. <laughs> so I, I hope that this is a little bit of a remaster. Yeah. Like I said, we don't know a lot of the details on it, um, but um, it's just exciting to see King Kong, King Kong lives, get some love. Yeah. Uh, because it deserves, it's it deserves a, it. It's a really good, it's a good sequel. It's a good Kong movie. And it's, <laughs> it's in the grand scheme of things, probably the best Kong sequel. 
I, 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 well, I I'm argue. sticking to it. <laughs> so far, I can't argue. <laughs> um, no, for sure. I, I'm, I'm really excited that it's getting some love. Um, and uh, just as another reference, by the way, um, if you missed out on the King Kong 76 Blu-ray release that yeah. came with the TV cut, there is a 4K release coming from a different company uh, that just got announced as well. But I don't think it's going to have the TV cut as part of the release. It's just a 4K release of the movie. Um, I've heard shady things about the company that they just kind of release it on 4K. Like it's not like a remaster. It's not like an up-res or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so you might be better off still trying to track down that Blu-ray. Um, that was a really great set for King Kong 76 lovers. Um but uh, I, if I find out more information about that, I will uh, update you guys next news section. Um, <laughs> so this next one is one everybody should be really excited We're about. We're finally getting it, guys. A new game. Not only is it a, a Godzilla game, it's an Ava crossover game. What, what is it? What kind of game is it, Kyle? Well, it just says really big Shin Shinji versus Eva game in real big bold letters on on this news well, docket. Here, I'm really excited. He, here's the title of it. Uh huh. Godzilla versus Evangelion. Mm-hmm. G Cell's yes, yes. Awakening. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, sounds great. Uh huh. Pachinko machine. Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. I'm not obviously. Yeah, we we, we should definitely <laughs> joke about the fact that it's a pachinko machine. Yeah. However, the freaking cutscene thing that we got for this fucking pachinko machine is phenomenal. <laughs> like it is amazing. <laughs> I think my favorite part about it is that it brings Gino back. Uh, <laughs> Zilla G98 is back, and now it is Shin uh, Zilla. Thank you very much. So what they did? So so it's very very cool. So number one. Uh, so it's obviously a Shin Godzilla. It's just normal, our, our normal Shin Godzilla design that we've had forever. Um, also, once again, just pointing out that he's acting more like Godzilla in this, this pachinko machine than he did in his actual movie. But, uh, so it's a really fun moment where you have Shin Godzilla fighting, uh, Ava zero one, uh, Ava unit one. Um, and, uh, we're like, oh man, it's, it's just like that, uh, that 40 theater thing that they released a little while ago. Um, and then Ghidorah shows up. And the, some people are upset about this. I think it's really cool because I think the design looks phenomenal in this like CG medium. Uh, so they brought back the Heisei Ghidorah design, um, but yeah. they made him an angel because he has the little, little gem core, in his yeah. chest, uh, which is very, very fun. The S2 um, engine. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Godzilla, um, Shin Godzilla is not against the Avas. He's actually against the Ghidorah angel. Yeah. He fires his beam. Uh, the, uh, the, the shield pops up. In the front of AT field, ET field blocks the beam. Uh, Evan one runs up and like pulls open the ET field so he can fire his beam through it. It's a very, very cool action scene. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, we get our big moment that happened at the end that caught everybody off guard, which is what Rob was joking about <laughs> earlier, where Shin Godzilla like walks they, like it's like the next morning and the dust is cleared. Ghidorah's still alive. Shin Godzilla comes around the building, looks over at Ava and fires a beam directly into Ava's core. Yeah. And suddenly <laughs> the Ava starts like going berserk, basically. Yeah. 
but it starts mutating into the figure we got back when it was a crossover, back when Shin Godzilla was originally coming out, yeah. where it's basically a Godzilla breaking out from inside yes. of the Ava. So it's like like the tail pops out, the spikes start growing out of its back, the yeah. armor falls off, its head like mutates into like a Godzilla snout. Yeah. Like it's it's uh and I'm it, telling you, okay, the spikes are forward facing. They're they're classic Godzilla whirly gig dorsal plates, they're, but they're they, fi- they're final goji spikes, but they have a forward facing like t- turn to them, right? Like they have like the little like yeah. you're saying, they have the Zilla like they're forward facing, but they the the shape of them is final goji. Like yeah. it's the yeah. <laughs> But man, this it's it's so cool. Like the like the Evazilla looks really good. Like it's like has yeah. some really good animation to it. Um, it's a bummer like, that this isn't. I mean, like I don't know. I don't think those two properties should actually intermingle in any official capacity. <laughs> but it would be neat to see this thing do something in a more animated like capacity. I would like to see the Evazilla duke it out with something i don't know throw it into super monster wars or whatever i mean (laughs) here here's the thing here's here's what i what what i the way i take it um with there was a lot of talk and i i know we talked about it in our our episode that never got released um how you could look at Shin Godzilla as the first impact. Oh yes, in Ava because technically, it kind of makes sense actually. Like especially with the humanoid Godzilla things because like yeah, that literally could be the Ava units. Like you could take one of those and like, you know, start <laughs> messing with it. Yeah. Um. So, like, in that capacity, I think you're right. Like, do I want to see, like, an official property that does something with this? Like, no. Would I be opposed to, like, a cool, like, I don't know, 40-minute yeah. special movie that does something? Like, literally just take the cutscenes from the Pachinko Machine and make, yeah. it into, like, a, <laughs> make it a short movie, you know, or something like that? Like, I'd watch the hell out of it. Um, yeah. Is it going to be, like, Shin Godzilla 2? No. Well. Like, that's not <laughs> undoubtedly it will not be i i would like to it, yeah i would like to see just like i would like to see the like humanoid avas or humanoid zillas do something i would like to see this ava zilla do something i would like to see a fight sequence des- choreographed out for this thing to do stuff uh just because i think it's a really interesting weird design and obviously i you know i made jokes about it but i do love that it's pretty close to a shin zilla uh which is very funny to me but also very cool (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's it is really funny because it's for a pachinko machine and we joked about it instantly but like the actual animation of the the eva transformation like took the internet by storm that day like people were people were talking hardcore about it about how like that would be really cool to like be something um yeah so I don't know. Like it would be interesting to see if, like, yeah, like if we got a, uh, I don't know. Like I said, just a release of the cutscenes. Just, just take the cutscenes, release them on like a special disc or something. Yeah. Or put them on. Um. Someone will. Someone will get. We'll get a shaky cell phone footage of oh, it in, sure. of the Patinka machine. Yeah. 
for sure. <laughs> With a an armed guard <laughs> tackling the person towards the very end. <laughs> hey, speaking of arms, should we talk about? There's not really a lot of arms on T Rexes. Can we? Should we talk about Jurassic uh, World uh, Camp Cretaceous Hidden Adventure? <laughs> yes, that's next. Uh, so. We are getting a okay. So I have to say this because a lot of people are misunderstanding what this is. And in canon, uh, Camp Cretaceous, uh, choose your own adventure. Okay. So this takes place, I believe, between seasons three or two and three. I think is what they said. Um, and it is canon. Like the this this adventure is supposed to be canon. Like yes, there's the different paths and whatever. Yeah. Like there will be a. I guess technically there is a canon storyline you know like yeah. there is an actual there's like the real actual one that ending exists. and then there's yeah 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 but this is a real thing that happened to the campers this isn't like an alternate like oh what if <laughs> no it's it's actually supposed to have taken place um <laughs> which is kind of cool I was like I, honestly when i first saw the trailer i was like ah, okay like netflix has tried these like kind of point and click like choose your own adventure thing before to varying success I mean, I remember hearing that the um, the Black Mirror one was a huge yes. hit. Yes, then, that one was really good. I don't and know about they... the others, but this one does make me immediately think like, oh, they're going to do like a good Telltale game. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but the talk of the town uh, is that they introduced oh, yeah. a new dinosaur yes. um, who is technically an old dinosaur, but is a new dinosaur in a weird way. <laughs> so there was a toy released for, I believe it was the first Jurassic World, uh, uh, for the Tarbosaurus, which is a relative of T-Rex. Yeah. Um, he, the toy itself is very basic, kind of just a generic, like, we took a T-Rex, we changed the colors, added some spikes on its back. Um, but... What I thought, what I found fascinating is, is they actually, when they were like, let's do Tarbosaurus, they actually did go back to that toy's design and go, hey, let's take that toy and kind of make it into the the new dinosaur. Let's yeah. actually, like, you know, keep some of the aspects of that toy design. <laughs> and I, I find that fascinating, honestly. I think that's such an interesting, like, because there's so many Jurassic toys that are just like random dinosaur that is never in the movies or whatever. Like, to have this idea of, like, a Jurassic property, like being like, Oh, I'd love to use the Majunctosaurus or whatever. And going like, there was a toy for that. Why don't we just use that design and that coloration? Why not? Like, so I, I think that's really, really cool. Um, obviously some people are upset by the Tarbosaurus because they're just like, that's no, oh, it, it's just a T-Rex with some spikes on it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's fine. Whatever. It's a, yeah. who cares? A <laughs> half of dinosaurs are just T-Rexes. It turns out. I don't care. <laughs> they're all just small T-Rexes with bat wings or they're like T-Rexes <laughs> or they're T-Rexes with devil horns or they're extra big T-Rexes. Yeah. And then everything else is, uh, I don't know. There's like some birds in there. Then there's a bunch of like uh, fake ankylosaurs that are losers, and then there's the ankylosaur, which is a superhero, <laughs> really cool. And that's all I know about dinosaurs. Um, what I what <laughs> I really like about Tarbosaurus is that Tarbosaurus is also um, a uh, a medium sized carnivore, um, so it's it's not as big as T Rex, so it's about the same size as like a uh, the Carnotaur, yeah, or uh, Allosaurus, 
which I, I really like. I like that we've got some more variations of, like you were joking. Like, I mean, it's not just another, like, oh, it's another Giganotosaurus. <laughs> like, no, it's a little different. Um, also, speaking of which, of it being a Telltale game, I don't know if you noticed, but the roller coaster makes a, a reappearance in the uh, trailer. Uh, so uh, there's going to be a roller coaster sequence, just like there was in awesome. the Telltale game. Um, Heck yes. But yeah, I mean, honestly, it, I mean, it's it's got. I mean, it's 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 animated by the same studio and everything like that. So it's got the same animation as Camp Cretaceous. The yeah. dinosaurs still look great. Like, I mean, it, it looks like it could be fun. Um, we probably won't do a full episode on it unless it turns out to be longer than I think it's going to be. Yeah. Um, but like, um, I'll definitely talk about it once it's done. You know, once it comes out and once I'm able to play through it and <laughs> see what it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I, I think that one of the biggest things that I'm a little disappointed about is that I think I feel like this should have released before season five. Mm, like, yeah. because I think, cause it's a little weird. Cause season five, like really ended kind of on a satisfying note at the end yeah. with the campers getting off the Island. We see them jump to the future to be fallen kingdom timeline. We get the, you know, the re- resolution of the story. And now it's like, Hey, let's go back and talk about a story that happened that you didn't see. Like, it's like, <laughs> I, I just do something in the time skip then, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Let's do something new. Let's do, let's do, yeah. Let's, let's jump to, to dominion timeline with the kids and see what's going on. Like, I mean, maybe that wasn't the plan. Like the plan was to release this earlier and then they were just like, it got held up in development or something. Yeah. That, that seems honestly, that would be my guess that if you were to, if you were to like, give me a, give me a guess on it. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. But, um, I mean, like I said, it could be fun. It looks, it looks, it, I mean, once again, the animation still looks the same as Camp Cretaceous, which I really <laughs> like. So I have no complaints there. Um, we'll see how the uh, choose your own adventure aspect actually works. Uh, I want to see how many times I can get the campers killed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's got, there's no way. There's no way they'll let you. I refuse to believe it. You refuse? <laughs> there's no way. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've only got two more news items left. Um, and these are going to be very, very brief. Um, there you go. So uh, coming up next, uh, so we have – so there was the Godzilla ride that's out I- at the Saibun uh, uh, Amusement Park in Japan. Um, and it had a story, a very, very specific story. Um, it is getting a sequel story. Now, we don't know if that's replacing the current story or if it's a like – kind of like – do you remember um, – at Disney, when you go on the Star Wars ride, you, there's like oh, you get yeah. like different ones, there's like right? A little like, arc, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if that's going to be what it is, um, where you're you could get the original one, or you can get the <laughs> sequel, or maybe there will be different lines for the different rides. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I mean, what is cool about it is it's going to be completely new animations, of course, completely new CG with our uh, ride Goji design, which we all re- on this podcast really, really like. Um, <laughs> our weird ass buff Ghidorah uh, design, yep. as well as uh, the uh, unassuming Rodan design, uh, is go. also going to make it making another appearance. Um, Hello. Hello there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, I mean, the cool thing about this though is it's happening the day after Godzilla Day. So it's definitely like a another celebration of Godzilla kind of a kind of event. Yeah. Um that they're that they're doing a sequel to the ride. I, I hope that it doesn't replace it because I still like, you know, not being able to go to Japan and not being able to ride it. Like I will I want to yeah. ride the first one because we've seen the footage of the first one. It looked real fun. 
So it would be kind of sad if, like, by the time we're able to go to Japan, they're on, like, the fifth iteration of this. And yeah. it's, like, completely different. And it's like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ride the first one. <laughs> but there was COVID. We couldn't go to Japan <laughs> even if we had the money. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, oh, it's actually going to be a prequel. Oh, there you go. Yeah, the origins of, of mm-hmm. Ride Goji. Interesting. Um. Still very, very cool. Um, and then finally, I just wanted to mention some really cool uh, Godzilla merch uh, that is coming out because of or, or coming out because of Godzilla Day and also just, you know, just coming soon. Yeah. Uh, so first up is uh, Spiral Studios, uh, the people who make the very, 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 very expensive <laughs> that no one can afford. Um, have started a new line of MonsterVerse figures. Yeah, uh, that are it's going to be labeled under the Titans of the MonsterVerse. Um, and the very cool thing about this is, other than Godzilla and Ghidorah, everyone else is the original monsters from the the MonsterVerse. Yeah. So we've got uh, uh, we've got Behemoth. We've got. Uh, 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 what what's the tree one? Aka the uh, 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 um. Um, 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 tree um, um, guy. Um, I don't know. Treebeard. Lord of the Rings. I, I, I had his name on my brain earlier today. Um, uh, we've got uh the female Muto, but they're doing Barb instead of the one from oh, 2014. Okay. Um, and then they are also doing the male Muto from 2014. Nice. Uh, and then uh, really cool. Honestly, very, very, very cool. The coolest one on this little sheet uh is they are doing uh Tiamat. Uh, that we saw in the comic, um, but it's all like on rocks and it's really, yeah. really cool. It's wrapped around the rocks. Um, very Amanda esque. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's uh, honestly the coolest thing to me about this is that like it's good to see these original Titans get love yeah. in like a physical format. I only hope that we will see them back in the MonsterVerse in some way, shape, or form. Like, whether that's yeah. on one of the TV shows or in GVK2 or past GVK2. Like, I, I, I think, like, they... I would like Legendary to get a chance, if if only just to see uh, Kraczewski get a, a another job, just making their own original, like, Titans. Uh, I think it's because they great... did a good job so yeah. far. Like all these Titans are really cool. They're like I love some of their backstories. I mm-hmm. love that they're tied to mythology and that they're kind of adaptations of the mythology. Like you know, which one I really want to see in live action is the uh, the Water Mothra uh, one. Oh from... yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that one is so such a cool looking creature. Um, I'd really love to see that. So anyway, so they're doing the Titans of the MonsterVerse series. Once again, these are figures that probably none of us will be able to afford. <laughs> However, they are very pretty to look at with pictures. And funny enough, they released the first official images of that line, the Godzilla that they're releasing from that line. And dear God, it's a gorgeous statue. Holy crap. The detail in this thing. <laughs> I joked with Coleman earlier about it. I was like, it's like... You know, you know, back in the day, and I, they still do this now, but like really back in the '90s and stuff, when they would make the scale maquettes of the finished designs, like for, like for instance, for Jurassic Park, there was a a, a maquette like about you know a foot and a half tall, you know, little maquette that is like just they they super detailed it and they scanned it into the computer to make the CGI model. That was the purpose. But there's all there's also this really cool maquette 
that the director then gets to keep and put somewhere in their office of like the T-Rex from Jurassic Park that I helped design, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. That's what these look like. That's what these like statues are. These are like that level of quality. You could scan this into a computer and make a CG model of legendary Godzilla that is completely accurate to the, to the movies, like <laughs> by the pixel. Um, it's, it's very, very cool. Um, so once again, never going to be able to afford those figures, but we're going to get these cool pictures of them and be able to like really get some good detail, <laughs> especially on those Titans well, that only exist. I mean, at the very least, it helps me a lot. Uh, anytime I'm making logo work, the more, the go. more toys they have where it's just like they, they do those prop images of them with like the gray yeah. bl- background. Do you know how many times I've used exactly oh, yeah. those to make oh, yeah. the cover art? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Um, man, but, but I, I mean, seriously though, uh, Three or well, two of those titans that we're getting in that line have never been seen in a physical form. They're only in the comics. We've never seen like a physical 3D yeah. representation of those titans. So that's really cool. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So other little little bitty merchandise things. Uh, there is a. Uh, it's not Lego. I can't remember what company it is, but there is a set of little Lego figures that is going to be coming out on Godzilla Day um, that feature. Uh, Godzilla, Mecha King Ghidorah, Space Godzilla, Biollante, Destroya, and Rodan. Uh, they're very, very cute. Uh, it's gonna be one of those like collect them all kind of like like you know like bag grab bag things. I don't know if they're gonna come to the states. I hope they do. Yeah. Um, because I will try and collect them all. <laughs> uh, now something that is coming to the states that I really do actually really like these um, is uh, U2s. Uh, kind of. They're similar to like pop figures. They're, they're Funko Pops, but they're for YouTubers. That's all I know about them. Yes, except but these. Uh, the thing I will give them over Funko is these have some really good detailing. Yeah, they're these not Godzilla ones. bobbleheads. No, yeah, these these Godzilla ones are fantastic. Like we got a great Heisei like G eighty four or not G eighty four. Biollante Goji, uh, you got a Showa Mecha Godzilla, you got a really really fuzzy Mothra, and you've got a uh, GMK King Ghidorah as the Ghidorah that they do have, um, and they're really cool figures. These usually go for like I think the bigger of the U2s. I mean I'm sure it's I think it's the same as pop figures, like fifteen twenty bucks something like that. Yeah. Um, so these uh, drop November first, so it's another kind of celebration Godzilla Day kind of thing. Um, very very cool. Um. And then uh, the last Godzilla merchandise thing that I want to share is something that we just don't have. We still don't have any details on, but it is very, very cool. Uh, we did see a slight movement on the Gigabash front uh, with uh, the official yeah. Godzilla Toho page liking the official Gigabash page, <laughs> which is, I mean, it, it sounds like nothing. At least they're, but... they're getting along. <laughs> There, I mean, it's you know that's that's the start of a good uh, cross promotion right there. Hmm. So um, that's going to be really fun. Uh, we still don't know the exact details of that, of course, um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens here. But other than that, that is all the news. It went a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. But we've got a big old snake to talk about. That we most certainly do, Kyle. Are you ready for a commercial break? Yes. After these messages, we'll be right back. The monster will destroy us all. Prehistoric monster. The monster will destroy us all. Sure, look at that monster. The monster will destroy us 
And welcome back. It's time to talk about Anaconda, the 1997 creature feature that is surprisingly rated PG-13, which I did not realize there until you just go. now. Um, uh, fun for the whole family. Uh, <laughs> Vore for the whole family. I was going to say, the director's uh, barely disguised fetish for the whole family. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, all right, anyway, um, so I'm going to go through the plot. It's actually a really, really, really simple plot. Yeah. Uh, very easy to break down. Um, so a film crew... Um, the IMDb says National Geographic. I do not remember them saying National. No, Geographic. they at no point, point say th- unless like they <laughs> mumble it really fast for legal reasons. Um, but the point is, is that there's a, a, a explorer a producer guy um, uh, that wants to discover a um, a tribe, a, a tribe in the Amazon that has been, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, hidden for for forever. Uh, he's a, he's a doctor. Doctor Stephen Kale is the character name. Uh, so he he brings some of his uh, college friends uh, or ex college friends. They're not in college still, but they're they're like from they went to the same college yeah. with each other uh, to come and film a documentary and try and find this lost tribe in the Amazon. Um, uh, we uh, we set off on our adventure very very quickly. Uh, when we are going through, they find a stranded John Voight, uh, oh. who, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll talk about his accent and stuff later. Uh, <laughs> he says he is a, uh, snake hunter. Uh, he hunts, uh, the anacondas, oh. uh, into the Amazon. Um, so they are heading up river trying to find this tribe. Uh, they, uh, run into a split in the path. Uh, one way leads to a barricade and a scary stone anaconda statue. The other way leads way around the way that they want to go, but it's the safe route. Yeah. So they go the safe route. Um, we get a scene where a guy uh, gets stung by a wasp inside of his A poison uh, wasp that somehow got into his respirator. That's Ooh. weird. Suspicious. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I won't question it. Um, Thank goodness and... John Voight is here and uh, – He's now just taking over the whole expedition as soon as yes. guy who just swallowed wasp told him to shove off. Yes. So, okay, that's good. That's convenient for him. Good. Good stuff. Oh, yes. well. Um, so, uh, yes. Yeah, so they, John Voigt directs them back to that split to take that secret path um, to, to try and uh, go faster uh, to get past uh, the uh, – <laughs> so that, so that the, the, the character, uh, the Dr. Stephen Kale, doesn't die. Yep. Um, so they blow up the giant wall. It turns out it was filled with giant, or, uh, a bunch of baby anacondas. Ah. A lot, a little, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of babies. A lot of babies. Too many babies. So many babies. Uh, <laughs> um, so they continue up the path. Uh, we get uh, some other moments where uh, we see a giant boar. Uh, John Voigt con- uh, convinces Owen Wilson's character to hunt the anaconda. Yeah. Film it. Uh, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Um, we'll talk about some of this stuff more as we move along. The point of the matter is, is eventually, um, their, their boat captain, Mateo, uh, dies. He's the first to die by an anaconda. Yep, yep. Uh, and then, um, John Voigt, uh, really convinced and like, is basically like holding them at gunpoint now and being like, we're going to catch a giant snake and you guys are going to deal with it. So deal with it. Um, 
So they set up a monkey bait. Uh, they catch the snake on a wire. It goes horribly. Things will go terribly, terribly wrong. Yep. We get another character death, which Rob is going to talk about in his favorite moments. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, and basically, it, it becomes like this weird, like Jaws-esque kind of adventure. You have literally uh, in that White. sequence that you're talking about, they do the they do the the push uh-huh. pull. Yep. <laughs> In a very strange moment that it doesn't really work. It didn't in, but... quite hit, but I was like, oh, they did it. <laughs> they did it. They did the thing. Good for them. Uh, um, so characters get kill- keep getting killed off kind of one by one. Um, John Voight uh, is clearly insane. Um, he, they also figure out that uh, the whole thing was a setup. Basically, John Voight was uh, waiting for them to come by on the boat. He knew Mateo. Yeah. They had a previous boat that got attacked and killed with Danny Trejo on it. <laughs> yep. Um, and yeah, so they're hunting the snake. Um, it's very unclear until later, but, uh, it's actually multiple snakes. It's actually probably yeah. three separate anacondas, actually yeah. two confirmed ones, but I, I have a posit for there being three. Um, <laughs> So they come upon a waterfall, um, and uh, at the waterfall, uh, th- at this point, they have John Voight uh, captured uh, and tied up to a post. Uh, the British guy uh, goes up, and uh, he uh, has a great death that I will talk about in my favorite moment, because I <laughs> really love that sequence. Um, and uh, John Voight uh, gets out of his bindings, kills uh, the one of the last remaining gets crew members. Gets out of his bindings by choking Owen Wilson's uh, uh, girlfriend to death with yes. his legs. With his thighs. His thighs, <laughs> specifically. <laughs> um, yes, and then gets out. Um, he uh, the, A tree falls in the boat, and it looks like John Voight like, gets knocked off the boat and like killed. So yeah. they're like, okay, well, we'll take the boat further <laughs> upstream and figure, find a way to get uh, more fuel so that we can get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So they go up the to, and they end up at this big old like sawmill-looking place. And they're like, oh, there's got to be fuel here. Um, so they go inside. Our two, our two last remaining characters, by the way, who is uh, Jennifer Lopez and Ice Cube, um, which we'll talk about them in characters in a second. Um they head in, they find barrels of oil, they're all excited, they're like, oh man, this will be plenty of fuel. And then uh, John Voight sneaks up on them and knocks them unconscious. Yeah. Uh, they wake up, he throws monkey blood on them to attract uh, another anaconda. Oh, by the way, one of the anacondas is dead at this point. Uh, I'll talk about it in my favorite moments. But, oh, wow, there you um, uh, But uh, a new black anaconda comes down, uh, maybe bigger than the last one, very unclear. Um <laughs> He captures it in a net. Uh, they, they pull the net up. Uh, it's a big action sequence. John Voight eventually gets snagged and uh, uh, yep. choked and killed. Um, and then uh, eaten. Uh, very, 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 very poor uh, sequence there. Um, and it gets worse later on in a second. Uh, then uh, they're like, oh, my God, we got to kill the snake because it's just it's just a, a killing machine for some reason. <laughs> um which I'll give the movie credit. They do actually kind of give an explanation because they do see more baby anacondas. So it's very possible that this anaconda was protecting the little babies. Uh, Although fair. I don't think snakes actually do that. No. So it's but... a little, little, a little not uh, correct. But uh... there's a lot of snake lore that doesn't actually make sense. And we'll talk about that in creature design, <laughs> I feel like. Um, but anyway, uh, so they, they decide to make the snake go up into a smokestack to try and burn it alive, essentially. 
so Ice Cube pours out some fuel, uh, lights a hose on fire to try and like blow up the snake because that's how this works because awesome. it's an action movie. Um, Jennifer Lopez eventually gets out of the top. Oh, by the way, at one point they do see the snake regurgitate John Voight, and he's still alive somehow, even he, though he, he very wakes. clearly dies uh, earlier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What a, um, there was a lot of uh, motif of people's eyeballs popping out. And I know they were trying to make a one-eyed snake joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, yeah, a lot, a lot of people's left eyes. Jaguar's yep. left eye. Uh, snakes at one point when it, the, the first one that when gets, it gets killed. blasted. Yeah, its yeah. eye pops <laughs> out. And then John Voight gets his eye popped out. Yep. And I was kind of like, is this, are they trying to do something? And then I, I jokingly said, oh, it's probably like a one-eyed snake joke. And I was like, it can't be that simple, right? Can it be? I mean, (laughs) Uh, well, (laughs) well, uh, anyway, uh, so the smokestack blows up, uh, the snake falls burning into the water, uh, very Jaws 2 reference here with the snake on fire trying to kill him still. Um, they eventually do kill the, the last snake. They get back onto the boat. Everybody's okay. It's a happy ending. They find the tribe in a weird moment that doesn't yeah, really fit the rest of the movie i don't know um, i i have... might be someone's least favorite i'm not sure but i'm if juggling not, we'll that and it. one other scene as my <laughs> least favorite yeah um oh my god my cat is at the door just screaming at me <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> um anyway and then uh finally uh yeah so we end up on a shot of the boat uh getting into the big open waters to head back to port um with some nice soft yeah, soft rock. Playing, there you go. Trying to be, uh, trying to be another Jaws reference, but failing at that one. No, because um, it's the '90s, so it's like yes. R&B, so it doesn't quite land. Doesn't quite. Doesn't. I quite mean, work. it's a great song. Don't get yes. me wrong. Don't. No, get it, it is, but the 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 it just doesn't. The ending just doesn't quite match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's basically the movie. Uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of just a romp. It kind of just goes really, 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 really fast. Um, uh, and, and I do mean that in a good way. It doesn't drag. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of knows what it's doing and just kind of gets to the <laughs> point. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's, let's, um, let's go through the characters real quick. So Rob, I'm going to feed sure. you the characters. You give a description. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with, uh, Mr. Horrible accent himself, John Voight, AKA John Paul Voight. Cerrone. You think you co- you think you come to my snake village. You look for a snake. Come in me. I'm John Voight. John Voight is a, uh, a uh, he's the real snake. Oh, sorry. Mo- uh, man is the real monster. Uh, in this case, John Voight is. Uh, he is a, uh, a poacher, a snake poacher that uh, collects uh, pythons for zoos and for rich people. Um, he's super scummy. Uh, starts off seeming like, oh, he might just be a cool jungle guy who just knows what's up. But uh, in fact, is a bad dude. Uh, and very quickly, uh, turns the team against, uh, or turns Owen Wilson against the team, which is all it takes really. And very clearly poisons, uh, Eric Stoltz, uh, Eric Stoltz's character by, I guess at some point capturing a wasp and shoving it into like the little breather mouthpiece for, <laughs> for the air tank. Um, it's, uh, he's a great villain. He just yes. nails it. His accent which hilariously fluctuates every once when he's yelling, he loses it. And it's just John Voight voice. But it, then he'll <laughs> like, start, he'll, he'll start talking. He's got this like over the top 
frown. Like he's trying to look snake-like or shark-like as he talks. Yeah. Very, very funny. Very good villain. Primo stuff. <laughs> All right. Then we've got um, our two main characters. Uh, let's see. So Jennifer Lopez as Terry Flores. Uh-huh. Jennifer Lopez, she's an up-and-coming kind of gal. She wants to be uh, a, uh, a major... A director. Yeah, director of a documentary film. Um, uh, she went to college with Eric Stoltz's character, Dr. Steven something. Uh, and Ice Cube. And Ice Cube. Uh, yeah. And uh, she's, you know, she kind of like matures throughout like she's final girl she's final girl because you know i mean she kind of has to be because there's only two girls but uh watching her kind of go from like this kind of like by the way inner contract no bra not allowed no every sequence nipples out or else you're not coming (laughs) back to the set um but uh, a, a very fun action lady, especially later on when she gets to be more uh, like that whole ending sequence where she's like, no, I'll be the legs. Cause ice cubes gotten his like calves stabbed. stabbed to death <laughs> multiple times. He's still running around. He's still going, yeah. he's still going oh, yeah. wild. Uh, uh, ice cube. You and thought, uh, uh... <laughs> yeah. What's his name from, uh, Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea, yeah. When he gets bit, bit by the big shark at the and end, you're like, how is still he still running like, around? Yeah. <laughs> it is the exact same situation, except it's, you know, instead of a shark, it's it's the worst monster of all, John Voight. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So next, uh, next character is Ice Cube, uh, Danny uh, Rich. Yeah. Ice Cube is uh, our resident uh, guy who likes rap music, then plays it too loud, and also cameraman. Yep. Um, cinematographer, cinematographer, cameraman that's guy. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, terrible at taking shots. Every every time we have like him recording anything, the he's like inches away from the actors, so you can't see anything that's going on. <laughs> that's great for like you know like ghost hunters or whatever. Uh, but this is supposed to be like. This is your big break. This is supposed to be the big deal. And he's like so close to the actors. Like, you know, it's like, it's awful. It's very funny considering that he's supposed to be like a professional cinematographer that went to school for this. (laughs) Uh, And he's very bad at it. But you know what he's great at? Just immediately being willing to stab someone. Like, not even like river madness setting in ready to stab someone. He's just like... I'll kill anyone who seems like they might be a bad dude. <laughs> British guy? I don't trust you. I don't trust anyone from Britain. I'll stab you. I don't care. Uh, John Voight? I'll stab you. It literally takes a plot device to get him to not stab people. Literally, his knife has to get like thrown <laughs> overboard so he doesn't stab He would have been too powerful if he had a yes. cap it, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I love Ice Cube. Oh, yeah. He's fun in this movie. He's great. Um, yeah, he he and Jennifer Lopez make a really good team. Uh, yeah, as the two heroes of the movie, honestly. Yeah, um, I I, I, I really like them in this movie. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up is Eric Stoltz, aka Doctor Stephen Kale, who gets yeah. taken out for most of this movie. <laughs> he has the best job in this movie. So he shows up. He says a few lines about how cool and tough he is. He puts on a scuba tank around the thirty minute or twenty minute mark. Goes scuba diving, swallows a bug. Uh, has to get tracheotomied, which I remember now as a kid seeing that scene going and never watching them, like not watching past that point. Um, and then for the hour long remaining runtime, he gets to be in a bed sleeping. 
Yep. And they have multiple <laughs> scenes with him, and he's yep. just like, just posted up the rest of the film. Very, he very funny. He does a funny. couple things later at the end. Yeah, uh, he, he yeah. gets up and he stabs a guy, and they're like, oh, he passed out again. So the, the final fight sequence is just me and uh, Ice Cube, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, he passed out again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and, and his character uh, and Jennifer Lopez's character have uh, like a. <sighs> okay, this is one of my least favorite acts aspects of the movie, but it's not a yeah. least favorite moment. I, oh. they have like a relationship, kind of, like they're supposed like a, to be like a cutesy romantic couple. And, don't buy it at all. Uh, there's <laughs> the scene that's supposed to be like the most romantic is he's like yeah. Uh, the lady fireflies let out these cute little tiny flashes and the men fireflies to these big masculine long flashes. She's like, that's great. There's no like flirting or anything. They just know. You don't even have to say yes or no. You just know. And I was like, eh. it's not like offensive, but it's like a little weird. Cringy. It's just a little cringy. too cringy. A little, little, little weird. <laughs> um, but I did actually like uh, seconds after that, before the boar attack happens and so usually like, you know, like the birds will all fly away and it's like, Oh, it got so quiet. But instead in this instance, all the fireflies stop lighting up. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah just yeah. a fun little effect. Sorry. That's just a side note. It's not a favorite moment. It's just one <laughs> thing from that sequence I wanted to talk about. <laughs> um, all right, and then the next character uh, is the great Jonathan Hyde, a.k.a. Yeah. Warren Westridge. Um, I, I just have to give some uh, shout-outs to, to who he is. <laughs> we do not know who he is. Um, he is Bruce Ismay in Titanic. Yep. He is Van Pelt slash Sam Parrish in Jumanji. Mm-hmm. And he is Dr. Alan Chamberlain in The Mummy. Yeah. Uh, are some of his big claims to fame. Uh, I love this actor. I love him so goddamn much. Well, hey, uh, he was in Diatopia. He's he wasn't Utopia, but he was fantastic. And I mean, obviously, his big role for me is my childhood is Jumanji as yes. Van Pelt. Yeah, like that, that's that's who he is to me. And it took, by the way, never covered Jumanji on the cast, but I it took me forever to realize that he was <laughs> his father. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't. That's supposed to be the dad. It's well, it's not. It's not actually his dad. Oh, but it's, but it's the standard. It's the psychological representation oh. of what he sees his dad as when he summons Van Pelt as a kid in the jungle. Oh, does that make okay. sense? Yes. So yeah. like, that's why it's the same actor is because it's supposed to be it's like supposed that to be, yeah. fear of his father that he had when he was a child is. He's like, oh, we were kind of close at first. I even like, okay, yeah. Oh, that's really yeah. good. I didn't even think about I, that. I just I, it blew my mind when I caught it like <laughs> when I was like in my like late teens i was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) anyway um but he he's a really fun character in this movie Uh, (laughs) who is he um oh sorry i got so caught up on uh yeah so westridge uh uh our british announcer folk uh who is basically the voice of the documentary uh if you will absolutely (laughs) um uh, uh he's he's kind of prissy uh, he sucks at first, and then they they literally give him two scenes of being like a cool dude. He knocks a bad guy out, and then teaches Ice Cube how to drive the boat, just so that he can die gloriously. I guess. 
<laughs> he does not deserve the death that he gets. He really, to. like, really, really owned. Like, yeah, I'll, oh I'll, my I'll talk god! About favorite moments because it's a really good death. But like, man, he does not deserve it as a character. <laughs> yeah, he's just there doing his job. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a character that does deserve his death is Owen Wilson wow. as Gary Dixon. Wow! <laughs> wow! wow. Uh, so I, I love Owen Wilson, uh, a huge fan of Owen Wilson ever since I saw him at Barton Springs as a, as a teen back in uh, high school I said, <laughs> this is going to be the, this is the movie star I'm going to hype up forever. Cause he was nice to my friend who was working at the cash register that day. There you go. <laughs> uh, Owen Wilson plays, uh, a, he, he's the heel turn hero, uh, where basically he, uh, and actually, I kind of want to talk about that as a least favorite moment, but I can also put okay. that here so that I can talk about my least favorite moment being the arrival of the uh, missed people. Um, oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> um, so, okay, John Voight uh, is like sitting there, clearly like making evil eyes at Owen Wilson and his girlfriend, um, and he's like, "Wow, all right, well, you go to bed. I'm gonna go talk to this guy over here," and she's like. Babe, please, I just want to have crazy sex with you. Don't talk to this crazy guy. And he's because like, Wham. Muggy jungle makes people horny. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go talk. Literally, none of the writers have ever been in a, a Houston, honestly. They've never been anywhere. <laughs> that has with a humidity, humidity index above 30%. <laughs> Touching someone whenever it is that humid is like the thing that nobody wants to do. Like, literally, you were like, nope, not even once. Um, but uh, in this movie, everybody's horny. Yes. Uh, so, so, I mean, well, they, they had to have like your, your horny teens to have sure, sex sure. and go get killed while they're having sex. But then they don't actually do that because John Voight saves him. Anyway, John Voight, uh, very easily convinces Owen Wilson with his terrible accent and just goes, you know, if you join me, we, you could uh, catch that snake and make a million dollars. And Owen Wilson, unprompted, is like, wow, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Wow. Um, and then levels a gun at all of his friends that he's yes. clearly known for some amount of time, including his girlfriend, wife, yep. uh, significant other. Uh, yep. And they're just like, wow, I can't believe you've betrayed us like this. And I think this is like a, a, a personal failing because, like, you know how easy it would be for that to make sense? You literally just have one sequence early on where instead of being like, wow, the jungle makes me so horny. You just be like, listen, babe, wow, if we, you know, if we, if wow. this gets big, <laughs> we're going to be able to make enough money to finally get that blank. Or we're going to go, we can yep. get your mom that operation. We can get a house. We can, you know, uh, we'll have the 2.5 kids and a white picket fence. Something. Have him have some kind of, like, desire for cash that lets him get, like, Oh, sucked into it, you know. Oh, geez. Yep. But instead, he's like, homies, and then he's like, nah, nomies. And then he pulls out a gun and aims it at his girlfriend and is like, hope you forgive me for this. Wow. And then he gets murked. And I'll talk about that in my favorite moments. <laughs> um, all right. And then moving on to his girlfriend, uh, Carrie, were, 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 were. Denise. Uh, uh, okay, Denise Kahlberg yeah. is the, char uh, the character's name. Uh, Denise is... Uh, uh, the Red Little Bird. Little Bird. Little Bird. Little Bird. 
Little bird, listen. Little bird. I, I, I'll crush you with my thighs. Um, uh, Denise, she's a sound girl. She does the audio work along with Owen and immediately pollutes all of their audio. Oh, like, yeah. The very first thing they did is they wandered out into the woods saying, we're going to collect some like audio for the thing. And they start recording and she gives it like 0.2 seconds before she's like, wow, it's beautiful. And he's like, wow, it's beautiful. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and they just start talking. Over, they record. You, you brought the audio equipment out to the middle of the jungle. You record the audio. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> Sorry. I just... Having literally stood outside on a cold Texas night while a party uh-huh. was raging inside, uh-huh. uh, as uh, <laughs> Kyle and the Taylors and I tried desperately to get ambient audio of the outside of a house as a party was going on, and every second a little outside noise fucking us up, including mm-hmm. a coughing fit. Someone asking, I think it was me going like, wait, so how long do we need to record this audio for? (laughs) And literally like having to redo it like 18 times. And like by the end of it, just being like, this has scarred me for life. (laughs) So that's what took, that's what it brought me back to. Um, She's a, she's all right. She, uh, you know, she's just a gal. And then she gets her neck squeezed by an 80 year old man. So yeah. hard that she dies. Which I get. But he's a snake. He's a snake. You get it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, there's not much to say about she, her She dies. And, and then much- she also does not, like, float. Her body just immediately. Yeah, <laughs> like, conveniently floats later on. But, like, oh, yeah. immediately just, like, sinks to the bottom. Yes. <laughs> and and no one notices. Nope. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. Whatever. John Voight's a bad wild. guy. It was wild. Yeah. Um, all right. So then we have our two characters that don't have anything to do. I'm just going to mention them. Uh, so we have uh, Vincent Castellanos as Mateo. Yep. The boat uh, he is pilot the boat guy. captain. Mm-hmm. Um, this actor is uh, one of those actors that's like a bit part. He hasn't done a lot of stuff, but he's, he's shown up in a few things in the <laughs> 90s and 2000s. Uh, and then, uh, of course, then we have the great Danny Trejo as the poacher at the beginning of the movie. Uh, instantly gets killed, but, uh, you know, it's always great to see Danny Trejo. I think this is one of his, like one of his very, very first movies, if I yeah. remember correctly. Um, I wonder if it is his first, it's probably not his first, right? Mm-hmm. Let me, let me, let me scroll down. I'm going to see. No, no, no. He By was... the way, we need to watch 2006's The Curse of King Tut's Tomb starring Casper Van Dien, Malcolm Ooh. McDowell, and Jonathan Hyde. It looks <laughs> garbage it looks so bad oh it's on tubi by the way i watched this movie on tubi and i watched a really bad documentary about <laughs> um bigfoot versus yeti which has uh the it came from a monster movie podcast guy and like other podcasters and they didn't call us at all i'm i'm livid i'm so mad that no one called me to be on a yeti podcast anyway so that was a sidetrack that was a tangent. <laughs> yeah, this, it, this is not one of. I mean, it's one of his earlier roles, but not his like beginning because like from Dust Till Dawn was before this. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. To be fair, anyway. <laughs> uh, and then the other actor uh, I will mention when we get to sound design. Um, so moving on to creature design. Ooh. So let's talk about the snakes. Yeah, um, we've got uh, we've got two distinct designs. Yes. 
The green uh, and the black. Yes. <laughs> there's uh there's the seemingly smaller ones, which are these uh these big old green snakes with these they seem like they're way too close together eyes. Yes. It's like the, uh, the faces are completely wrong. Yeah. You know the front end view of like um singular point goji and how his eyes look like too close together and it's pretty yes. funny looking. That's what this looks like. Uh, it, it is you know, it's like a big it's a snake. It's a big snake with a you know, red stripe patterns down its body like starting at its eyes and going down its body and green scales outside of that. Um, the maquette, like the mechanical thing they have is this big, long, wiggly arm that has a <laughs> giant open, like maw thing that yes. looks like it should be at the end of a fleshlight, honestly. <laughs> uh, and, uh, these tiny little beady yellow eyes that are just like almost where the nostrils should be. They're so far yeah. forward. I'm going to send a picture of a real anaconda so we can get context. Yeah. Am I crazy? That feels wrong. I've seen pictures. Oh, it's, it's way, yeah, it's way off. Hold on. I got to look at a picture of real anaconda. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, they just look like a snake. Like, it's just like, kind (laughs) of like on either sides of its head. Yeah. These are more predator. Like, cause they're like right on the the picture of the actual anaconda from the movie. They had like the animatronic. Yeah. And it's like very like, almost like a human face. Like it's it's, very, yeah. It's um, the eyes are, well, the eyes are more sunken in than like a normal snake. And they're also not like on the sides of the head where they can see their whole periphery. This is supposed to be like a predator version. Yeah, I just I I sent you a picture. Yeah, no, I saw. Yeah, (laughs) very Um, different. Very, very different. Very, very different. Also, very distinct nostrils. Like yes, it's it's very. It's it's almost like I would describe it like you were kind of saying. Like it's like a human face. Yeah, it's like it's like. It's like a like I say a scaly, but what and when I when I say a scaly, I mean like a furry, yeah, one of those uh, version of a snake yes, face. Like yeah. if somebody was drawing like a, a anthropomorphized snake, yes, this is what the face would look like. Yeah, <laughs> and you had to make it. You have to make it evil, obviously, so yes, that, you know, yes. so you can you know start a big hubbub <laughs> when you fight it. Um, it, yeah, I you know. It, I mean, here's the thing. It's not accurate to a real anaconda. No, but, but it looks it good is, as a monster. And it's a very iconic animatronic design. That's like, true. I, you, you see this thing and you know it's from the movie Anaconda. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's very much like, it's very iconic to the movie. It's yeah. a very iconic look of a, of the puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give it credit for that, even if it's not accurate to the real snake That's, at all. I mean, honestly, I, I'm fine <laughs> with that because you, you, you're distinguishing it. And this, mm-hmm. it looks, you know... They're trying to add, they do that thing that like you have to do with like creature features where you have to make like a normal thing, a normal behavior the animal has and make yeah. it mysterious and villainous. So it's like it eats its prey and, and strangles spits it, it and back spits that to kill it all over again. It's like, no, that's just <laughs> how they digest stuff, man. Like that's yeah. not a it's not a villainous thing. They just kind of crush it a little bit, go <laughs> and then they go like, eh, time, maybe I'll try again. And they comp again. It's yep. a, it's just a process. <laughs> so yes. So, okay. So for those of you who are not animal experts, so anacondas, just like pythons are constrictors. So they do not have uh venom. They are not venomous. They are, uh, they they literally wrap you up. They crush your bones as much as they can, and then they literally unhinge their jaw. 
and swallow what their prey whole, and then it digests in their stomach. Now, here's the thing. This is why I think technically there's three anacondas in this movie. Okay. So. Oh, it takes months to digest stuff. And like yes. multiple. Not only does it take months, but like literally when an anaconda or any kind of a python or anything like that gets prey and eats it. Yeah. Dude, they'll, they, they are fine. They like, literally <laughs> go sleep for like days. They will just chill like and be like, I am full. I am happy. I am digesting my food. So. The one that we see kill Owen Wilson, yes. which Rob's going to talk about in a second, <laughs> um, definitively has Owen Wilson in its belly. It's got to be so old, it yeah. should have just like literally swam off and passed out somewhere. Yes. Um, <laughs> it is possible that every single kill – I mean because Mateo also gets glomped. Yeah. So that could be another – like basically every single kill could be a brand new anaconda. <laughs> Because here's the thing, and, and and I mean, it's weird to bring in canon from the other movies, oh. but honestly, funny enough, we probably will eventually co- cover Anaconda's The Hunt for the Blood Orchid, just because it's so funny. Awesome. Um, and there's actually just one shot that I really want to talk about in that oh, movie, okay. that I actually <laughs> always think is in this movie, and then I realize it while I'm watching this movie, I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's in the other one. Um, but anyway... Um, <laughs> in that movie, they very clearly establish that there are just a shit ton of these giant 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 anacondas in 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 this area yeah so like it makes sense also with how many babies there are whenever (laughs) they blow up the tail yes like yeah there's definitely like some more than just one or two of these big ones um now obviously uh yeah so that that's that's one of the biggest inconsistencies is that the whole like (laughs) <laughs> whenever an anaconda or python or anything like that gets prey and they eat it, they literally just go chill and digest it. And yeah. they are like non-aggressive at that point. And even then, like, yes, they are hunters and yes, they are aggressive. But obviously, just like any other creature fi- feature, they over-exaggerate that like a mother. Uh, especially the final black one when it's fucking going after them in the... Yeah, like it, it gets... literally spits up John Voight so it can eat the others. Yes, like, no, that's not. <laughs> no. Also, the second it gets stabbed through the tail, it's gonna not want to be there anymore. Yeah, I-, I love how it gets it gets like stabbed through the tail and then it like doesn't like go back until like, no, it's fix like the I'm just gonna wound. keep pulling. I'm gonna <laughs> go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, um, the other thing that uh obviously is debatable with the snake uh, and is what kind of makes this more on the fringe and why we can cover it <laughs> is the size of the anacondas in this movie are ridiculously large. Yes. Um, not just their giant faces, but their, their length and their girth um, is, is actually very, very like exaggerated, obviously. Yeah. Um, now here's, here's the thing there obviously in prehistory there were snakes that grew as big as the ones that we see in this movie called like the titana uh, titana boba a uh, boa yeah titan boa um we have that oxygen dense uh, environment out there just a bunch yeah. of weird critters getting real real big like this <sighs> these are snakes that could kill like small dinosaurs like these things yeah. were like huge um and to this movie's credit you know i heard they were are... feathered back then <laughs> They were there are anacondas. feather boas. Uh, there are anacondas. And we do have actual like record of 
Anacondas that are real, real big, though. And the thing is, is that technically this movie, even though it plays with the truth, snakes, especially uh, pythons and, and uh, of the constrictor family, um, they do just kind of keep growing yeah. until they die. Like, and, and like they can get very big. Like I, you know, like, like not like as big in this, as this movie, but close. There have been snakes that have been caught that are definitely large enough to kill a, you know, not, maybe not a full size, like six foot man, but a smaller person, especially children. Um, they are threats to children and such in the waters of where they do live. Uh, if they, if the snake is big enough, it will wrap itself around and try and kill it and eat it. That's, I mean, that's what they do if they're hungry. Um, yeah. so I just wanted to say that real quickly. Like, could you ever find a snake as large as the one as this in this movie? Probably not, but could it exist theoretically? Not in the same proportions, but yes, maybe as long as the snake that we see in this movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, so the creature design, like, like we're saying, like, I think the most iconic thing about it is the animatronic face. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then there's a sound that goes along with it that I'll talk yeah. about the sound design later. Um, so I guess let's just move on to favorite and least favorite. So Rob, sure. why don't you lead with your favorite? So, uh, as we were watching this movie, uh, Michelle and I were just sitting there, uh, uh, in bed because uh, I found out this was on Tubi and I didn't have to try and uh, get my laptop to connect to anything. Uh, and I was like, all right, yeah, sure. I'll just watch on that. Um, and as we started watching it, we were like, oh yeah, right. Owen Wilson's in this. And then the first time he showed up, I went, wow. <laughs> and wow. then it kind of became like a thing between Michelle and I just go, wow, wow, wow. Every time he would show up on a scene. Well, uh, so he gets murked. And how the snakes always seem to go about this is they clamp around your neck, your head, or your shoulder, and then they coil around you really fast. Um, so it's really funny. For Owen Wilson's death, they had him spin around in a circle, like just him spinning on the boat mm -hmm. going, whoa, um, <laughs> as the thing bites him and then poorly CGI wraps around him and then pulls him up off the boat and slams him down into the water. Oh, my gosh. Owen Wilson has been departed. We, we, uh, we've, uh, he turned evil. <clears throat> he immediately goofed up, um, uh, and was punished karmically by, uh, the writers of the movie. Uh, but that's not the last we see. Uh, eventually a CGI snake starts to swim <laughs> into frame. And my girlfriend thinking it would be a funny joke, muffled her voice. She put her hand over her mouth. Like, wow. And seconds later, I mean, <laughs> milliseconds later, the snake keeps swimming and you can see that it's got a big fat lump in its belly. And I started to laugh and then it moves even further into frame and you can see a CGI face pressed up against the, the inside of it where it's like the eye sockets are sunken in and there's like yep. a big frowny mouth. So it's like a giant yep. like frowny face. <laughs> it's so funny. And that combined with a, wow, was, uh, <laughs> the movie was made for me. It was so perfect. Truly phenomenal stuff. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so funny. I mean, it's it's really bad CGI, too. I mean, this movie oh, yeah. has 
some bad CGI across the board. Asylum. It's Asylum level. It, it's 97. Yeah, what I mean, fair, think? true, but <laughs> it's uh, still funny. <laughs> yeah, so my, my favorite moment is another kill. Uh, so it's the British guy's kill. Um, so it's really great. So the snake chases after him and he goes up like there's a giant waterfall and he starts climbing up the waterfall and hides behind the the sheet of water basically um and the snake ends up going up a tree and climbing up on a tree which by the way anacondas and snakes can climb trees um and so he's hiding behind the waterfall it's it's a lost world jurassic park situation uh funny enough they came out in the same year so neither was copying off each other as far as i know <laughs> anyway um uh, so he's he's standing behind the waterfall we get the animatronic uh snake comes in and like sees him and he goes fuck this and he decides to try and jump and so he jumps into the air and in midair the snake does i mean it does the same kill animation basically but it grabs onto him and twirls around him and pulls him up t- into the tree. And I just thought <laughs> like that a it's, yo-yo. it's such a, it's, it's a goofy moment, yeah. but it also looks so cool in a weird way. Yeah. Cause it like, it wraps him up and then it wraps him up into the tree. And then the tree, that's when the tree falls onto the boat is because the snake's movement causes the tree to snap and fall into the boat. And so we get this great moment of, like <laughs> the snake trying to kill the guy while the tree falls. And then the snake gives up its kill, but it's already killed him. But like you see the snake go back after the, the live prey, which once again, yeah. real snakes wouldn't do. But in this they do. And uh, you see his body like float up on the surface. <laughs> uh, but that's when uh, it goes after Ice Cube. Uh, and uh, And we think that he's going to get killed here. Um, and, uh, the snake starts to do the same thing. And that's when she pulls out the rifle and blasts it and yeah. kills it, uh, shoots it in way the too many eye, times. And then for in the somehow. brain and then in the brain again, somehow still alive. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, that, I, I don't know. I've always liked that whole sequence. I, I yeah. think the waterfall sequence is just very iconic to the movie. Um, it also has a, a really great shot of, uh, when they're in the water, they're trying to wrap the ropes around and they see yeah. the, the, um, the plants on the surface of the water move. Yeah. Like that, that's, that, that's very jaws. Very my, like my spooky. favorite moment inside that little sequence is when they didn't film the boat being pulled away by oh, anything. Yeah, yeah. So instead they just reverse the footage with the waterfall in clear view. Yeah. So all of a sudden the waterfall starts going, and it's reversing <laughs> as the boat like chugs yep. backwards. Yep. So funny. No Iconic. <laughs> it's um, a really powerful engine. You know, it's pushing yeah. the water right back up. <laughs> oh, but anyway, um, yeah, that's my favorite sequence in the movie. Um, least favorite moment. Yeah. Uh, Mine's at the end, so I'll let you. Yeah. Hold on. I got to think of mine because yeah. I. It's not okay. It's not that this movie's perfect because it's it's very flawed. I like this movie a lot. Yeah. Um. But I think that there's yeah the the moment that you're going to talk about is 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 probably my one of my least favorite things. But I'll let you take it. Um, yeah. I think that this movie, as much as the pacing is good, I do think it takes a little too long to get to the setup 
at mm. times. I think I think we we spend a little too much time with John Boyd's character like being like s- sneering across the boat at other people, just like, you know, like frowning at people. Yeah. Um before we get to like the actual like moments. Mm. Um also it's you know, it, it, I I feel like the movie tried to make a reveal of him having some connection to the poacher, <laughs> but, but it's, it's like, also really obvious. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I get that. I I do wish that like there had been more intrigue and mystery about him being yeah. a poacher, and like you know, or there had been some kind of like thing that went wrong between him and like mm-hmm. Danny Trejo and that's why like I don't know start the movie with a little bit more of an implication as to why Danny Trejo was alone yeah. right there uh, you, yeah. you could do you could do a little bit more fleshing out no um, for sure and I, I and to be fair um I think it's interesting that this movie opens almost the exact same way that the relic opens <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> in a weird way it's it's very similar to that same opening um and uh i don't know i mean once again it's a creature feature so a lot of it is always going to be derivative but like it, it it does it does have those yeah like i said the, the i feel like there should have been more of a surprise or more of a build-up to it uh it just felt a little especially on repeat viewing as you're just sitting there just being like Okay, here's John Voigt being clearly evil. We got to deal with him being clearly evil for the next 30 minutes before we finally get the actual yeah. turn. Um, I don't know. It it kind of that's that's the <laughs> only pacing moment where it drags. I think a little yeah. bit. Um, so the people of the mist, <laughs> they are the setup for why our characters are in this area. Yes. And then the python is is a distraction essentially uh-huh. for them. And then, you know, they 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 eventually, you know, if you're writing like screenplay 101, you have to have like some kind of like return to form or like uh like you know, you gain the prize. But it just feels weird that like basically like as far as we can tell these like <laughs> these three Americans uh killed their like pet snake or God or whatever, uh, a thing that they held in such high regard, they made statues of it and built it a giant like gate to keep it safe from outsiders. Uh, And they all just like come out and surround them. And it's just like such a nothing burger scene because it's like, Oh, people without clothes on. (laughs) And then ice cubes like, I'm going to get my camera. And then the credits roll. And it, it feels kind of like you were building up to them so much. And then for the reveal to just be like, I don't know, they're just like a weird tribe of people. It's like, yeah. I, well, then maybe you should have just not had that sequence, you know? Like, just don't even put it in there. They don't get a reward. Their reward is they survived. And maybe you like end it with like sequel bait, right? Where they right. like, they, they escape and they're like, oh, we never found the people of the mist. And he's like, oh, well, there's always next year. Ha, ha, ha. And then you, like, see someone come out, you know, and, like, you know, you don't see them. But you see their foot walk up to, like, the desiccated remains of, like, the snake or something, you know. Right. John Voight's character. John, his oh, eye and they, like, you know, yeah, they, like, <laughs> they pick up John Voight's, like, you know, like, carcass and he's still breathing. 
And like, it's like, <laughs> oh, they're going to Frankenstein him or something. I don't know. That's dumb, but that would be rad as heck. The point is, <laughs> if you had of like, not just had them like show up, stand there, and then I guess wave goodbye at some point, it feels right. very like, I guess we had to have this sequence. Uh, yeah, it, it just it just doesn't make much sense. Like <laughs> no. I feel like you it's could a, literally cut out. Yeah, you could just literally cut out the 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 that scene, like the, the them seeing the tribe. Like if you cut that out and it just showed the like boat like running into the big water, like escaping. Yeah, like, I almost feel like that's a, that's a better ending. Like it just it would make more sense. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, they just fucking they just left. Like, <laughs> They're not looking for the tribe anymore. Like, screw that. Yeah. Uh, but instead, they were like, oh, we got to put the plot in. It's like, no, 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 no. This that is plot important. is gone. Do you get it? <laughs> Do you see? Do you see how important um, and cool this is? Yeah. It just doesn't. I think, another, like, if we had gotten more scenes of them, like, actually, like, investigating, like, some ruins of the tribe or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. like, instead of it being the sawmill, maybe that's the final sequence is, like, in like an actual like snake temple, yeah, like or something like that. Like that would have been kind of interesting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like instead, and it's then, like and then seeing the tribe at the end would have been like, okay, yeah, they're in their a nice little they're in the tribe lands. Yeah, like, that's where they are. Like, <laughs> but instead, it's just very like, oh, here they are. Like this cool. is it. <laughs> Thumbs up. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, I I agree. I'm yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I I. I I forgot, you know, as I was mentioning my least favorite moment, I completely forgot that, yeah, mine, mine was actually going to be the, the John Voight, uh, regurgitation scene. Oh yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. They make a really like other, all the other kills. We don't see like the real brutalness of the kill until his, which makes sense because he's the villain. So of course we want to see the villain get, get crushed. Um, and then we get the actual Vor scene, which is like this weird, well, like, it, where it opens up its mouth and it goes inside the inside of the snake. Yeah, you get you, you get see the, the the internal shot where you see the the walls of the the throat, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh yeah, I I know where this is going. Yep. And then, <laughs> the, I think the biggest thing is is because the reason why it's one of my least favorite moments is. It's not that it's a ineffective sequence, like in the sense of like, uh, like having his gooey corpse like being spit back up at the main character is yeah. fun, but the problem is is that like they went out of their way to show you how brutal the kill was. That he is definitively dead. Like there is no way he is still alive. Like he, you see his like vest blood vessels like, <laughs> pop as the snake is crushing him. Before yeah. it bores him. So, like, the fact of the matter is, is, like, if it had just spit the body out at her and she had <laughs> been like, ah, and, like, freaked out. But, like, she only freaks <laughs> out because his eye opens and bl- winks at her. And it's very, like, he's like, little uh, bird. Yeah. Um, like, he's still alive. And it's very, I don't know. I, I just, I've always hated that moment, not just because of how gross it is, but because it's, like, he's dead. Why, uh, why, yeah. why did he wink? Like, come on. <laughs> It's it's very um, Indoraptor in the cage kind of moment where it's like oh yeah wink at the crowd not at uh, not at the character but more at the audience being like <laughs> yeah get it uh, see yep. oh my gosh yeah um yeah <laughs> 
Um, all right. So cinematography, special effects. Yeah. Um, so special effects wise, before we move on to cinematography, um, the practical snakes are amazing. I yeah, love the animatronic the, is great. Like it looks really good. And like, yeah, it has some of that herky jerky, like the fact that it has to be a really long robot arm with the controls, like a foot yeah. away. It's like, you get a little bit of that wobbliness of any kind of like, you know, maquette that's like really <laughs> far out, you know, just on a giant arm. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a little bit of that wobble and shake to it, but it still looks really, really good. Yeah. The CGI the, hit or miss. CGI is hit or miss. The, the one thing that always really impressed me with the animatronic is the sculpting on the inside of the mouth. Oh yeah. Uh, specifically like, the jaws and like the actual where the teeth are and the teeth actually yeah. like come out when it opens its mouth. It, like that stuff is really good, like really well done. Um, and yeah, and then you get to the CG and sometimes the CGI looks good um, for 1997. And then other times it's like, eh, like the, especially in the final sequence specifically with the snake uh, zooming around inside. Oh, of the, yes. Uh, I mean, it does feel like an asylum film. Like yeah, there's no suddenly. kinetics to the snake's movement, you know? It's just very just whoosh. Yeah. Like I, I will I will say that it is impressive that how much of the uh interaction with the environment they did put in with the CGI and stuff like that. They yeah. did a good job. Like with because it's supposed to be like bone dust everywhere and stuff like that. And when it's whipping itself around, like they made it move clouds yeah. of dust. But it just I don't know, it, it looks fake. It looks really like goofy. Um but there are times like It'll look wonky, but then all of a sudden it'll look good. Like when the snake starts wrapping around things. Yeah, yeah. Like well, you can first... tell where they like they had models to base stuff off of. Yes. Versus <laughs> when they were just kind of like, I don't know, how does a snake slither in this mm-hmm. environment? Uh, yeah, just just wib- wibble it. It's fine. Just don't wibble worry. it around. It's fine. It's got to get to from point A to point B. Let just it moves. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, so some of the CGI is a little wonky. Um, I, yeah, I agree with the practical effects. I mean, the practical effects, including um, like the like when they blow up the giant smokestack, like that's really cool—a big practical explosion. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I liked it. I like I like a lot of the practical effects. Um, as for cinematography, um, we kind of already t- hinted at some of the Jaws like. Um, motifs going on. Um, but Rob specifically mentioned a shot that I want him to talk about. <laughs> the push-pull shot. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, like, in in Jaws, there's this growing sense of tension and dread. And then the moment breaks out when, like, you have people screaming off the distance. And what you have is our character's peripheral awareness focusing in the world gets smaller and our character gets bigger as you do that push pull shot right yeah camera is uh what is it camera pulls away and you zoom in or is it you it's push the, it's the camera I, it's either way depending on which effect you want to do okay no matter what you push the dolly or pull the dolly in the and opposite direction that you either zoom in or zoom. zoom out yeah okay yeah you it's it's the opposite so yeah so if you pull the dolly you push in with the zoom if you push the dolly you pull out with the yeah zoom. To get that same like, it, whoa, whoa. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it, it looks good and they do it for, uh, for, um, like, uh, what was their character name? Jennifer Lopez's character, Terry, 
Uh, it's when she's inside, right? Like whenever she she yeah. runs inside to the little little area with the glass window. It's it's right before like all the Owen Wilson stuff happens. Yes. basically. Yes, <laughs> it's right before the snake gets hooked on a fishing line. And I think the reason that it's not as effective is because instead of something immediately bad happening, the snake just bites onto a fishing hook and starts going ow ow ah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of like um. I mean, they do it well, but it feels like it's at like it's cattywampus to her. It's not straight on and right. you know pushing in and like oh, you know, there's no tension or dread. And then the release of the dread is not as impactful as it is in Jaws, which I mean, obviously, you know. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I appreciate that they did it, but I do wish that like the payoff was better, you know. They also didn't have the mu- the good musical sting because the part of the yeah. one that makes the Jaws one makes is the big like yeah. as yeah, like yeah. he realizes what's going on. Um, so yeah, but I, I mean you know I I always respect a movie that's trying to like reference Jaws and not being like just oh I'm Jaws again. You know what I mean? Like it it, it, it was there were some cool references. Yeah, uh, visually like uh, the one that I really really noticed was the. When the boat is leaving the dock, there's the literally oh, the yeah. sweeping shot from the from Jaws when the orca is leaving uh, yeah. the port. It's the same shot. It's like it's got the same kind of whimsical music as they're leaving, like this hopeful, like yeah, we're on an adventure. <laughs> um, and I, I was like, that is a hundred percent intentional, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the cinematography. I mean, it's it's no. part for the course for this era, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's not stunning is but it's like 90s fair you know yes yeah exactly yeah i mean Uh, there are a lot of like anytime they do big like landscape shots very nice but uh the fact that they are cutting to i think the the shot like the movie within a movie where you have like the point of view of uh ice cubes camera yeah uh, that to me was like the i was like what why is it like why are you (laughs) like this you know yeah. Uh, it'd be one thing if it was like, you know, man, I've never used a camera like this before or something. I don't know. But it's like, you're telling me and showing me two very different things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm being nitpicky about that though. So yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and then sound design. Okay. So let's talk about Frank Welker as the Anaconda first. Yeah. Uh, because <sighs> look, <laughs> snakes don't make that sound they don't scream are you sure um but once again it's kind of kind of goes along with that animatronic snake face like i feel like it's very iconic it's very you know this movie you know what i mean it's very like the snakes roar or whatever (laughs) like that's fine um and the music i mean it's it's there like I, I I couldn't hum one of the songs, but I mean, like I did notice it at certain points. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not like it's. I mean, the diegetic music is obviously the best. That's where you have like your your uh, R and B music and your your uh, other like '90s fare from like uh, sure. uh, right. Ice Cube. But yeah, uh, the the ambient music that's playing in the background is. Uh, I feel like we say this on podcast uh, the podcast a lot serviceable. 
Yeah. Uh, and if I had have been, I feel like if I listened to like a CD, I could give like a more concise like yeah thoughts to it separately. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I should start doing that for some of these episodes because <laughs> I feel bad because I want to say something more than just like it faded into the background. I hardly even noticed it was there. You know. Yeah, because well, because sometimes it, it kicks ass. Sometimes that music adds so much to a movie. Uh, this, well, and and sometimes that's the intention too. Yeah, like sometimes that's that is the intention of the soundtrack is not to be like this driving force. It is supposed to kind of yeah be that ambient ambiance oh. to the movie. Uh huh. Um, you know, uh, a good example of that um, is. Um, this is a way off kilter reference, but is uh, Paranormal Activity the first one? Yeah, where there's there's music in the movie, but it's very like subtle. It's very behind the scenes. You don't hear it a lot, um, but it's there to just. It is there to be in the background. It is there to be that kind of droning, yeah, sound that is inherent behind everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. This one isn't quite that, but I do feel like it's just kind of that same thing where it's just like. Yeah, there's cool action stings when action stuff is going mm. on. There's whatever. But it's not like anything that's going to be – yeah, like I said, you're not going to be able to hum it after you watch the movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's wrap this up. So we're final thoughts, Heath. Yeehaw. Um, so uh, here's the thing. This movie's not perfect. It's a goofy creature feature from the 90s. Yeah. Um, I love it still. Uh, I think it has a little bit of a charm to it. Um, is it as charming as, say – uh, Lake Placid? No. Um, I, I think, I think they're, they're in the same realm with each other, but I think I always have more fun when I'm watching Lake Placid because of the character interactions. Mm. Whereas this one, it's really just John Voight being a creep Yes, for <laughs> 90 minutes. And I mean, I, I like John Voight, but not enough to really get excited about watching him be a creep for 90 minutes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Whereas Lake Placid has some great, like, funny banter, some great character interactions with, like, the sheriff and the the scientist guy and stuff like that. That stuff is really, really fun. And Betty White, of course. Uh, but, like, this one just doesn't have that oomph to it. But I think it's still really, really fun. I think it's a really fun uh, giant snake movie. You know, this movie spawned, just like Jaws, <laughs> this movie spawned Asylum to make a billion oh my gosh. giant snakes yeah. movies. Um, so, you know, the, 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 this movie did have an influence on pop culture for a little while. Uh, um, but, uh, it, I mean, it's a fun watch. It, as I said, it's pretty breezy for most of it. Um, and I, I think it is a fun, like definitely like a fun party movie too. Like, I think, I, I think you could have fun watching this out of like a party. Like, <laughs> I think people would laugh at the snake and how goofy it looks and, you know, have a good, have a good time, have a good time. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed it for what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think that it is. Yeah, uh, the the character dynamics are the shortfall of this movie versus a lot of other creature features. Yes. Um, like I feel like you know, coming off of Deep Blue Sea to this, you can tell that they are very, very, very similar. Um, but Deep Blue Sea did things that I wasn't expecting. You know, it mm. killed people that I was shocked to see killed. People that I thought weren't going to live did live. Um, right. And I felt like the character, the characters were more fun. 
Um, this, the characters do kind of like, and, and that's one of the powers of like a good creature feature or even like a good horror movie is you yeah. have like turbo tropey characters. The, the weakness that this has that a lot of other like, you know, creature features or even like horror movies that rely on like turbo tropey characters is that the, the interactions just kind of fall a little bit short. Um, yes. where it never feels like they're really engaging so much as like, okay, now it's the scene where these two characters talk. Now it's the scene right. where these two characters talk. It doesn't feel very natural. Um, uh, that said, the the creature feature aspect is great. Uh, the Python is uh, uh, super lethal uh, in a very fun way. Uh, the uh, John Voight being swallowed and then thrown up definitely <laughs> is going to awaken something in some people. Uh, uh, there's, I mean, you know, it's, it's goofy fun. And I think that if you go in hoping for a fun Halloween movie, like, yeah, this is it. Like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. This is, a, this is definitely a perfect one of those. Just like, like I said, like a party movie. Like, yeah. I feel like it. Like you're you're all in the backyard at a, at a Halloween party, <laughs> throw on a funny, a funny like entertaining creature feature. Like yeah. I think this one fits the bill for that for sure. Um, and I think I think you'll have a blast watching it. Um, but in yeah. uh, just a setting of just like watching it at home. Hey, <laughs> watching with someone who's uh, saying "Wow" every time wow. Owen Wilson shows up. There you go. Especially timing that with the, with the <laughs> snake going by. Um, all right, so. Moment of moment of truth here. So we've been teasing that we are doing a Godzilla book club month for November. Uh, so it's time to finally announce what we are doing. Woo! So we are starting off the month. And what we are doing is we are covering the first story arc of the Dark Horse comics. Now, that story arc is very complicated to actually describe oh, of how good. many issue it is. Because it's because there's an issue that starts it off that's not connected to the others, but it is the actual start of the story arc. Okay. And then you've got basically two stories that happen back to back that seem to have nothing to do with each other, except it has everything to do with each other. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a very weird thing. It's basically it's issues, uh, of the main run. I think it's issues one through 13, but then there's the one issue that's separate. So it's technically 14 issues. Yeah. Um, but it's a dark horse comic. It's nineties as heck. So we're not getting a lot of depth here from the story. Um, it's mostly for the fun action. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing art from uh, Art Adams uh, and a Heisei Godzilla design. So it's going to be a blast to talk about. I'm very excited for Rob to check it out because I know he's never even <laughs> seen anything of this. Uh, so it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, and then Rob has a really fun episode yeah. for Signals lined for up. Tokyo Signals. Uh, this is actually Kyle found this one. So uh uh, uh, when he pitched the idea of like doing, um, a, uh, a book club month, I had like the vague idea of like, oh, maybe I could try and find like a short comic, but I really couldn't think of anything to do. And so I was looking into like short stories people have written, maybe like some goofy fan fiction or something. And then, uh, Kyle pointed out that in fact, there is a short comic about the Trin Masters toy line. Yes. Uh, advertising <laughs> all of their. It's, I am so thrilled. I cannot wait. I don't it know for sure if hilarious. Battle Armor Godzilla shows up, but I. He really does not. Have, oh. He does not. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm still super jazzed. I think uh, Eric and I are going to talk about that one. So yeah, super fun for us. 
It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to find it so that Rob could look <laughs> at it because because I mean because that's the thing. It was it was a comic that was literally included with your figure. Like I I, I think like the first run of the Godzilla figures came with the comic as like a thing. Like, you know, when they box it and they put the comic behind it being like, oh, you get a free comic or whatever. Uh, I think that's how it was. And it was one of those comics that you're supposed to color yourself. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's his signals. And then for to round out uh, Godzilla, uh, 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 Godzilla Book Club, excuse me, uh, we are going to be covering the first of the novels that were released in the 90s. Uh, based on kind of the Heisei era, but weirdly not. Um, so it is, we are going to be covering Godzilla Returns, mm-hmm. uh, written by Mark Ciracini. Uh, this is the first of four books, four novels that came out in the 90s. Uh, this is a basically a adaptation of <laughs> G85, okay. but different. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's a phenomenal book. People, people love this book for very good reasons. Um, it's very nineties. There's one <laughs> character that I know Rob is going to have a big problem with, uh, cause he's a little problematic in the nineties way, but uh, okay. it's the nineties. What are you going to do? Well, as long um, as he's not like that 14 year old, as soon as I landed my helicopter, no, I knew that 14 year old was, uh, <laughs> hey. not, not that bad, but he's very, um, <laughs> He's very like alpha male to a female oh, at one point. It's kind I of, see. Eh. It's okay. uh, but, right. uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, Godzilla returns by Mark Cirocini. Uh, once again, that book, I've been very excited to cover this book. I've talked about it a lot on the cast. Um, but I, it's, it's one of, one of the books that I read as a kid that really, <laughs> really got me into like the idea of what Godzilla could be. If, the restrictions of a suit were taken away. Does that make mm. sense? Okay. Like this kind of made me think of like, if a, if a Godzilla movie got a budget, this is what they could do. Um, so I'm very excited for Rob uh, and Cameron to check that out. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so that's what we'll be covering at the end of next month. Uh, then in December, we have a fan month coming up. Yeehaw. So in November, we will have uh, our fan vote posted probably around middle of the month. Uh, so that we are ready to go when we get to December, have everything picked out, mm-hmm. ready to go. Um, for all you patrons, I'm about to get to you. Um, so I'm going to reach out to you about your vote, and I'm going to reach out to you about your T-shirt if you're $15 or more on our Patreon. So keep an eye out on your patron or on your on the Discord. You can message me on Discord as well. Um, but um, And again, we've got a good one that is not going to be uh, not wearable in public this time around. <laughs> Just so far, start, it's, it's not the Yeti it's, this time. <laughs> it's just Eric and I that wear that shirt in public right, with some regularity. Uh, <laughs> so you won't have to be part of the Yeti challenge next time. Uh, this one will still be a little bit weird. Uh, and you may have to explain it to uh, some people because I can't I can't not design a weird shirt. But uh, <laughs> but I think I think you guys will like it. <laughs> yeah. So. um yeah, so once again, for your patrons, I'm about to thank you guys. But yeah, just once again, keep an eye out for my question for the vote and my question for uh, your T-shirt uh, sizes and mailing addresses. Um, once again, uh, for the vote, we are requesting that we do not do Godzilla in the vote this year. 
uh, for December specifically, uh, just because we're having a Godzilla month in November. So we don't want to like backpedal everything together. We've got lots of Godzilla <laughs> content still to come, but uh, we're still trying to kind of spread it out over the over the months as we as we move along because uh, we have plenty of other episodes for this podcast that are there. Um, and uh, if you need help picking out a movie, I have a giant list that I have made that I can definitely <laughs> yeah. send you that you can look through and pick a movie off that list. Um, so, um, but anyway, thank you to all of our patrons. You guys are awesome. Thank you for supporting the cast. If you want to join our patron, just go to Patreon, search Tokyo Lives. You'll find us really quickly. Um, so, uh, thank you to oh, load, please. Oh. <laughs> uh, behind the Mask 1313, Caleb Talley, David Noyes, uh, Joe Jira, Jonathan BBQ Nerd, Joshua, Melissa Carter, Pilo, uh, William Kelly, Big Odillo, Cool Man Cottenham, Jag Butcher, Uis, Min- uh, Fan, Nathan Towns, Nugget Coon, Solid Snake, William Kish, Jack Orowitz, Nicholas Whale, Taylor Ward, Chris Britt, Eric Schuster, Joshua Lynch, and Oda. Thank you guys so, so much for supporting the cast. We really appreciate it. Um, we are uh, going to be using these funds uh, very quickly in May of next hey. year to go to All Monsters Attack and hopefully meet some of you guys there like we did when we went to G-Fest. Um, because that was a blast when we were able to meet some of you guys. Um, and uh, yeah, we re- once again, we really appreciate everything you guys do for us. And uh, we hope you enjoy the shirts for all you $15 patrons. <laughs> um but uh, at Tokyo Lives Cast is our Twitter. Go there, check us out. We post things all the time. Um, I posted all those cool spiral uh, statues that we were talking about yeah. uh, earlier today. Um, uh, Facebook, just search Tokyo Lives. You'll find us. TokyoLivesPodcast.com is our website. Um, uh, the links are finally working up at the top of the page yeah. again uh, to all of our Twitter and social medias and stuff like that. Uh, for a <laughs> while, it was broken. I apologize, uh, but I did finally fix it. Um, so, uh, check us out there. Um, if you leave us a review on iTunes, we will read it out on the cast. Last I checked, we didn't have any new ones. No, Um, nothing, uh, nothing brand new. Brand new. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if you want to leave us a review, we really do appreciate it and we'll read it out on the cast. Yeah. Um, but, uh, other than that, hope you guys enjoyed spooky creature month, uh, creature feature month. Uh, yeah. we will be back oh, in November. this will be our Halloween episode, actually. Oh, yes, I should have started yes. with a, with a more spooky intro. Dang it. <laughs> I mean, could we, we had to make fun of John Boyd's accent. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Robert Boo. I already did that Ooh. last year. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, enjoy your Halloween, everybody. And, uh, we will see you in November to do, uh, Godzilla Book Club. It's going to be fun. Woo! All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Okay, for thirteen seventy five, I will make a trash science documentary about the creatures from Creature Features. Uh, and like, I don't know if I'm gonna make them like go versus like head to head or something. I, I need to I need to find the premise, but I will do I will sure. do that exactly. That's my plan. <laughs> Probably should have had that in the episode. Probably should have thrown <laughs> that in there. Well, ah, well. Um. <laughs>